go. Hey, again, welcome everybody. Welcome uh, to those of you online. Glad to have you. Hope you can show up in person real soon. Till then, go ahead and share the live stream, if you would, with other folks. If this is a new place to you, I know you might be feeling a little bit anxious, but just look around. You can tell right away we're not perfect at all, and you're not either. We have a lot more in common than you probably realize. Um, you know, I, I want to start off by just recognizing a couple things. One's good, one not so good. I mean, the Scripture says to rejoice with those who rejoice, to grieve with those who grieve. We're going to start by rejoicing because to, this weekend we're recognizing the anniversary of Mark Essek, 15 years on staff. Mark has been our <laughs> Allen Park campus pastor, campus minister. Uh, just, uh, uh, you know, 15 years is a long time at any one place, especially in, in, in churches, right? So he's just proven himself over the years to be just a, not only just a, a solid guy, but just a really good guy, a very faithful guy. And it's also Cindy Bobrick's 16th anniversary on staff this weekend. She's pretty good, too. <laughs> so. But we kind, of, we kind of make a big deal of those every five-year anniversaries, so we're celebrating, but we're also grieving. As many of you know, we lost our brother Juan Pardo this past week. We've been praying for Juan and his family for quite some time. He, he lost his battle to cancer this past week, just finished up six years serving as an elder here. So we're grieving, but not as the world grieves, right? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But if you can, this Friday at 2 o'clock right here, we're going to be having that memorial service for Juan, and you are welcome to show up for that. You know, that's one of those times when you lose a loved one, you just don't know what to do, right? Um, what next? And we all, we all go through this, whether we say it out loud or we think it privately, like, what do I do now? You, your kids tell you they're, they're struggling with um, depression or their identity. Your spouse says, I'm just not happy. Your boss says, you know what, this isn't working out. The doctor delivers some bad news. You fail a test. Your friend bails on you. Your boyfriend dumps you. Um, what do I do now? now? We've all been there. And this month we're going to learn that when we come to those um moments, that there's a way that we can deal with it. It's kind of a rinse and repeat process that we can take each time. I've had plenty of my own um moments. I mean, the whole past year and a half has been one big um moment during the whole pandemic thing and, and church. And like, what do we do? Like, you know, uh, what, what next? And nobody really seems to have a good answer for that. You know, going way back, um, how do I raise this baby? You know, back before really the internet and YouTube and there's no family around. What, what do we do? Or um, buying our home, uh, repairing the car. Trying to fix up the house. I, I, I don't know what to do. Uh, where, where do I turn for help? You know, just trying to figure out how to do ministry. Um, and trying to have a good marriage. You know, you have these arguments and you just feel like you failed. I don't know what to do. Now, you can't take away the um moments that are going to come no matter what. That's out of my control. But we don't have to let those moments paralyze us or fire us up with a lot of rage or freak us out or drop us into a lot of depression where we're making bad decisions or cripple us into inaction. We can be more intentional. We can be better prepared for those um moments if we think ahead of time. How, what are we going to do when we do get there? We can be prepared and have a game plan. And we're going to talk about these next few weeks about speaking uh, wisdom 
about dealing with, with wisdom instead of just having knowledge. Uh, just having a lot of facts isn't always the answer to everything. It's having wisdom to do it. How about developing standards instead of just rules or choosing love over fear? But you have to make a couple of commitments over these next few weeks if this is going to do us any good. First, I'm asking you to commit to be here or to listen to these messages because they're all going to build on one another. And then secondly, commit to doing something with what you learn, right? It's, it's pretty pointless and worthless if you just listen and don't, don't apply it. And for those who aren't following Christ yet, and we're really glad you're here, but you need to know you don't have to be a Christian to apply some of the principles we're going to be talking about, but you also need to know these principles come from God's Word. And I think the best first step when you reach one of those um moments in life is our big idea to pause and admit my need for help. That may seem simple, but it's very important, and too often it doesn't happen, which is why we see a lot of marriages end because they didn't pause and admit they needed help. Relationships between parents and kids get destroyed. Uh, lives actually get lost to suicide, to drugs, to alcohol. People experience financial devastation. People get hurt and killed simply because they fail to take this first step to pause and admit I need help. And I believe there are people listening today that are making huge life decisions out of frustration, out of anger, out of emotions, and your marriage is on the brink of failing, relationships between parents and kids on the brink of destruction, financial nightmares, because we're not doing this, thinking, thinking my life is ruined, maybe even thinking of tapping out. And you're listening because you're recognizing that what I'm doing is not working so well. I need something more. All the, all the plans and all the rules that I've come up with to, to change my family, my, my marriage, to, to change my financial situation is really not working. And I want you instead to admit your need for help, to listen to what God has to say. And I think you'll find that in this story from one of, our, one of the great guys here at our church, Joe Cuellar. Watch. Hey, my name is Joe. Um, I was baptized as a baby through the Catholic Church because my parents uh, were Catholic. Um, I, didn't under, I didn't really understand anything that they did or anything that they said. Um, all I know is that when we went, my mom would hand me my Game Boy and tell me to, tell me to be quiet. <laughs> She'd be like, here you go. I'm like, okay, and, and play. Um, around first grade, that was when my parents got divorced. Um, this is kind of when we stopped going to church. Uh, my grandpa was, uh, this is when we moved in with my grandparents, and my grandpa was kind of the one that took on that fatherly role for me. Uh, he taught me how to ride a bike, mow the lawn, uh, play catch, and uh, you know, all that good stuff. Um, it means a lot to me. Going into high school, um, I was, I played a lot of sports. I played baseball, I played football, I played soccer, and I wrestled, so I was busy all the time. and. Um, that was also around the time when I got uh, saved. Um, my grandpa actually took us to church. Uh, it was South Point, that's how we got introduced to here. Um, that was when I became a student leader. Um, this is when I started serving. I was a greeter, an usher. I was in production, uh, working the camera. Um, I was popular in school. I knew basically everybody. Um, everyone was, and everyone knew me. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, I was part of all the sports teams. I mean, come on, you kind of, was part of like every clique, really. Going into college, um, I, I don't know. I went to a Christian college. It was amazing. I loved it. It was a great community. Um, I had the best memories and best of friends there. Um, but it was around my junior or senior year, actually, where I began to struggle, struggle a lot. Um, I was putting on, I was really good at putting on a mask and masking how I felt. And um, I was really great at hanging out and, you know, showing off this really great face and like, I'm having a great time, I'm good, or, you know, things like that. But when I was, um, when I was by myself, I was, I was hurting, um, hurting a lot. And um, I even got to a point where I considered um, suicide. Um, I didn't, I don't really tell a lot of people that. It's kind of, I told like a very select few people that. Um, and it's important to, you know, have the select few people you only tell little things to. But anyways, um, I got to a point where I, I wanted to do, commit suicide. I remember, because I grabbed a knife and I remember holding it up to my neck um, I didn't do it, obviously, um, I'm still here, <laughs> but, um, I thought about it, um, it was, maybe it was the pressure, maybe it was, um, I didn't know what to do, um, going forward, maybe it was a lot of things building up inside, um, and I finally hit a breaking point, um, I mean, there's a lot of times where I was pushing people away when I was contemplating it, for sure. Um, but there's times where I want to push people away um, when I'm not committing or wanting to commit suicide but like but I'm hurting but I don't want to deal with it or I don't want to be vulnerable you know, um, and share that with other people. Sometimes I think I could do it better myself and work through it. I knew I couldn't do it by myself. I, I tried a lot all the time and every time I tried by myself I failed and sometimes I'm in a deeper hole. And that's usually the moment when you need help the most. I'm glad I didn't do it uh, because God has used me in a lot of different ways since then. I got to go to a mission trip in Fiji. I got to see God work there. I got to see God work at a Christian camp in Ohio. And I get to see God work here um, through me as a student, um, as a small group leader in the student ministry for a shift. Um, and I get to see all of those students grow closer to God. And ultimately, I get to see God use me as an instrument and use my personal life experiences to bring glory to Him. And uh, yeah. Yeah, you're not alone. There, there are a lot of Joes out there. Yeah. So I encourage you don't give up, don't quit, don't tap out. Start implementing what you learn over the next month here. Let's break this down, this big idea, because there are really two parts to it, right? Pause and admit my need for help. I mean, who likes to pause? Who likes to wait in line, right? Wait is like a four-letter word. It's, it's just a bad word. Nobody wants to wait for anything. We want everything right now. We want everything fixed right now. And I believe we can have fewer of those times, you know, when, when we're, we're to the point where we're like, what do I do? I'm going to wait too long to get help. So you can wait too long. 
And sometimes when they get to the point where, okay, we'll, we'll go see the minister. <laughs> let's, let's see if the minister can fix the problem. See if he can fix my, my spouse or fix, fix my, my kids or fix my problem. And sometimes I have to say, you know, not everything can be fixed. It's at least when it gets to that point, um, you waited too long to get the help. But when I then do tell them, well, here's, here's what God would say about what you're going through, even then it's going to take time. It's going to take time to rebuild trust and restore that relationship, to uh, work through that infidelity, to break the bad habits and the addictions, to change that destructive behavior like blowing your top, you know, when you're angry or when you're being drawn to those bad websites and videos, when you feel like blurting out those words that are harmful and offensive, I mean, you, you, to dig your way out of debt, none of that stuff happens very quickly. But what I'm saying is, you know, yes, it takes patience, it takes perseverance to wait through these things. You still got to wait. Don't wait too long, but don't rush into things and try to fix everything on the spot. To say, oh, that's it. This has got to end right now. We've got to take care of this today. And if we don't get this solved this week or, or we're not better by the end of this month, then I'm out. Yeah. Got to wait sometimes. It takes time. You know, there, this young man in Israel, he was the baby of the family, the youngest of eight sons, shepherd boy named David. You know, he was a little more than a DoorDash guy taking you know, food out to his brothers, his soldier siblings near the battlefield and sees uh, this giant trash talk in his nation, trash talk in his God. David's like, um, what, is anybody going to do anything? No? All right, well, then I will. <laughs> you, you got any weapons, any armor to fight with, David? No, no, I got a slingshot, got some rocks, got God. We're good. You know, he, uh, he eventually becomes the greatest general in the army, and the king becomes so jealous of him that he, he chucks a spear at David. Like, Whoa, what's going on here? Uh, what'd I do? Of course, he ends up becoming the greatest king of Israel himself and sees a woman bathing on her rooftop. Hmm, what do I do now? What to do? Commits adultery, screws up his family, has a son who stages a coup against him. What, what do I do now? No playbook for any of that. David made a lot of good decisions, but he made a lot of bad decisions too. He's the guy that wrote most of the Psalms, these poetic songs in the Bible. At least 18 times in the Psalms, he uses the word wait to describe what he learned from God. Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now there's Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. So throughout all of these um moments, he learned the importance of waiting, of not jumping the gun, plowing into making decisions right on the spot without first consulting the Lord, not going forward just with worldly wisdom, but with godly wisdom. And I believe we can have fewer of those um moments in our lives, and we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks, but I think you need to hear this, that when we get to those um moments, pause. Don't act. Pause. Don't speak. Pause. Don't punch. 
Pause. Don't hurt yourself. Pause. Like, like Joe, right, in the, in the video. Give, give it one more day, one more moment. What does waiting look like? Maybe I'll tell you after tomorrow because I've got to go stand in line at the DMV and that's how the Lord teaches you patience. But I don't mean that we, we wait till they finish talking so, so I can get the last word. Not waiting for the right moment so I can get back at them and teach them a lesson. Sometimes when your kid or your parent or anybody really does something that they oughtn't do, when they throw, when just life throws a curveball at you, and it, it can bring out a lot of anger in you. So, man, I can't believe that's happened to me. I can't believe they treated me this way. I can't believe they've been so rude and mean to me. Why are they doing that? And you can be so angry when others do wrong things that you, you do something that you're going to regret. And that's why it's okay to feel anger, right? Scripture says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't act on the emotion. You can't always control the feeling you have, but you can control what you do with the feeling. So that's why anger is a dangerous thing. It's something to be avoided because our tendency is to jump in to some kind of wrongful action that we're later going to regret. We didn't pause. Now they start to raise their voice to me, so I raise my voice back. Or they start to use colorful adjectives to describe me in some way. And so I correct them and say, no, that's an adjective that describes you, frankly. That's the way our arguments go in our home. No, that, that is an adjective that describes you. <laughs> and before you know it, you know, you are, you're, you're doling out punishment or you're, you're, you're making a bad decision, you're walking away, you're quitting, you're doing something that you're not going to be able to get back. Something you're not going to be able to fix. So pause. And you just say, you know what, I'm sorry, but I need, to, I need to pause right now. I need to step away so I don't say or do something hurtful. If it's your kids, tell them, just stay there for five minutes, and, and I'll be back. Oh, I'll be back. <laughs> if it's your spouse, you know, hey, I need to just step away for a few minutes, okay? Let's, let's come back to this later. If you're the kid... You ask your parents for a five-minute break so you can cool down and not say the wrong thing. If it's your boss, try asking. You don't tell them, but say, can, can I have a few moments away because I want to make sure that I respond in the right way. Give them a reason and why you need time to respond properly and tell them when I'll get back. Five minutes tonight, tomorrow, let's come back to this because right now I just don't know how to respond. I don't know how to process this. Uh, I, I don't have the words right now. I need to collect my thoughts. Can we just come back to this? Oh, yeah, and by the way, when it comes to email or text, right, do not respond in the moment because they get very misunderstood. We read into those things a lot, and sometimes we come back with things that we read into intentions that weren't even there to begin with. But even if the intentions were there, man, you're, you're going to regret firing off that email in the moment. Sit on it for a while. Let, let, it, let it stay there for a day or so, okay? You don't have to get back to them right then. Think about it first. Do not hit send right away, and you'll be glad you did. You know, if it's a big decision, be cautious about acting in haste. Don't let yourself 
fall into that false belief that everything's got to be decided right now. Very few decisions have to be made right in the moment. Oftentimes you find when you make it right in the moment, you thought, oh, I had to do it right then or, or else, or else what? Well, I would have lost out or this wouldn't have happened. Well, you know, that might have been a good thing because now you regret that you went ahead and did that. Even if the other person is saying, I need your answer right now, let them know a reason why you need some time and then tell them when you'll get back to them. Now, don't overuse this. Don't take advantage of it. You know, like, how do I look in this dress? I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow. Don't want to do that. Did you really like my dessert? Uh, how about a couple hours from now? I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, Mom, Dad, failed the test, but you know what? I'm going to need a few days to process that, if that's all right. Uh, it's probably not the best kind of way to deal with that, but here, here, when emotions are getting the better of you, when you don't know what to do or say, and you feel paralyzed, like you're, you're about to do something or say something, you know you shouldn't, hit pause. One of the best things you can do for yourself and for those around you is to have a prearranged understanding that, that it's okay to pause. Maybe even today, after you go home, you have a conversation with your family. You say, ah, you know, after listening to the message today, I'm thinking that uh, we, ought to, we ought to agree right up front that you have got permission to go ahead and take a break if we ever find ourselves starting to get heated up starting to get angry and yelling and stuff like that, you've got my permission to say, whoa, I need a break. I need to step away for a few minutes, all right, and gather my thoughts and calm down. And if you say that, I'm okay with that. That's a good thing, all right? I'll, I'm also letting you know that I might have to do the same thing too. You may want to, like, fight it out right, right in the moment, but I'm going to say I need a few minutes. I'd rather wait and not figure it out in the moment than to hurt you with words that I don't mean. I know I'm going to say things I don't mean. So I promise I'll come back and we'll talk about it. What do you do during that time when you wait? Well, here's where the second part of the big idea comes in. Not only pause, but to admit my need for help. Some of the worst decisions that I've made are when I kind of leave the Lord out of it and I just try and get alone by myself and figure things out on my own and I wrestle with my thoughts and I come to a decision and here, here's how I'm going to fix things here, here's how I'm going to make it better, here's how I'm going to uh, um, get my wife to do what I want her to do and here's how I'm going to get my kids to behave themselves and, and uh, here's how I'm going to fix the whole situation and I'm really not going to make the best decision, am I, without God's help, consulting the Lord. You know, think about it. Some of you have maybe been through AA, Alcoholics Anonymous or any other addiction rehab program and they use what the 12 steps right millions of people have ruined their lives and the lives around them because they made bad choices in the middle of their addiction while they're addicted to some substance but they end up finding freedom and hope and renew their lives in the relationship when they take that first step of the 12 steps and really you can't go on to the next steps until you fully understand and commit to this first step. Here it is. Some of you could probably say this with me. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. You can't get any further without admitting that. And some of you maybe are not going through any kind of addiction, and that's great, but you might look at that and say, well, that has nothing to do with me because my life is completely manageable. Really? Well, how's that working out for you in, in all those areas? I mean, you've heard the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same things over and over and over and expecting different results. 
Is that, is that really working out for you too well? You say, well, you know, I really, there's some things you just can't change. Hey, I'm, that's just the way I am. Well, the way you are stinks. Stop it. You know, that's, that's an excuse. That's a cop-out. Yes, you can get better. You, you can't excuse that kind of bad behavior because it's harmful. It's hostile. It's unhealthy. Stop making excuses, especially making decisions when you're angry or when you're depressed. Instead of acting or reacting with rudeness and bitter, harsh, mean words, pause and admit your need for help. And really, isn't that what a prayer is? Prayer is admitting, God, I need your help. I can't do this on my own or I can't do it like I should. Give me some wisdom. Give me the words. Give me patience. You know, David learned the reason for waiting was that he needed the Lord's help. Psalm 33, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Now, if you're a Christian, do you really practice that? Do you go to him first or does God become your last resort? Do you act like a practical atheist as if God doesn't even exist because you're still trying to handle everything on your own in your own wisdom? Even in those situations, you find yourself right now. I mean, okay, whatever you did in the past is the past, but what about right now? What are you going through? Are you, are you asking God for help? And even if you're not a believer, if you're not ready to ask God for help, you can still at least pause and admit you need help. You know, to, to, your, to your kids, you admit and say, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what to do. To your spouse, I'm not sure. Uh, so I need to get some help so we can figure this out. To your friends, I, you know, I really don't know what to do right now because I don't want to throw this relationship away and I'm just hurt and I'm angry. So... I'm not sure what to do. So when we come to those um moments, we can pretend like we're not feeling that way, pretend like we got it all together. (laughs) I love that meme of that cartoon dog with flames all around him, and he's going, this is fine. You know, we live our lives that way. That's okay. But it just leads to a lot of pain and a lot more um moments. So look, we can retreat. We can wave the white flag of surrender. We can give up out of fear and ignorance and emotion. We can go ahead and give in to that temptation. We can go ahead and get that divorce. We can go ahead and say really ugly things and that instinct kicks in, a fight or flight. You know, you just make that decision in the moment. Or we can choose a different path and admit we need help, which is what the second part of that second step in the 12 steps is all about. Remember the second step if you've been through AA? N-A, any of those? We came to believe that a power, of course, we know who that power is. People are free to make up their own power, whatever it is, but we know the power is God. A power greater than ourselves could restore us to what? To sanity. Insanity, doing the same things over and over, expecting different results. Sanity means I'm going to try something different so I can get different results. I need something I know that I don't have within me, something I don't know. And we don't like to admit our need for help. It's embarrassing to ask people to help us, to admit I don't have it all together. It makes me feel like a failure. I feel like I'm a burden to others if I ask them for help. I feel like you know I, I should be smart enough or tough enough to handle this on my own. It, you know, that's, that's my pride. I don't want to appear weak. 
You know, one of the most well-known prayers in the Bible was written by that shepherd boy, David. And it begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. And in the middle of that 23rd Psalm, a verse says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, sheep are pretty dependent animals. They're, they're not the smartest of creatures. They're, they're prone to wander off, to get lost, to become the prey of predators, to be eaten or to not eat themselves. There's no food, there's no water. They don't know what to do. They just wander around hopeless and helpless. And nobody wants to think of themselves as sheep. But David, the great David, realized from his shepherd boy's days tending all those sheep, I'm just like them. I need a good shepherd. I need direction. I need provision for my needs. I need protection from evil and harm. I need encouragement. I really can't do life on my own. You may think you got it all together when life is going good, but I can guarantee you life is not always going to go good and you're going to get knocked flat on your back. And that's the time when you're finally going to look up. How much better to look up now before you get there to be ready for what's ahead. So please come back next week because we're going to talk about the next step that we need to go to when you're in those um moments because we want to make sure that we're not just looking for more information to have more knowledge, which may sound good, but next week we're going to focus on the one question that really could change the direction of your life. But it starts with being willing to pause and admit my need for help. So will you ask for his help? today will you pause right now and ask him where have you been looking for help in the past but more importantly where are you going to start looking for help from now on james 4 8 says draw near to god and he will draw near to you you know god already drew near to you i mean that's why he came into this world he sent his son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves to live with us and among us, to be one of us. God made the first move. He took the initiative. Now it's up to you to respond. Will you give your life back to Him? Bring everything to the Lord. I mean, no, no He can't fix everything. I mean, what's done is done. What's in the past is in the past. That all can't be fixed. But He can forgive what you've done. And he can give you a better future. He can give you a forever future. That's what the cross of Jesus is all about. Cleansing. Hope. Resurrection. Eternal life. If you'd like to receive that today, then I'm going to offer you a few different ways to respond. And the first would be take that first step of giving your life to Jesus. Turn to him in faith Trust him to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Repent of your sins. Be baptized into Christ today, lowered in water and raised up in a death and resurrection to that new life. I'm going to have some friends up here in the next few moments while the music plays. You come down and talk to them if you're online watching or even right here. You can text us or email us with the, the numbers on the screen and we'll, we'll get back to you as soon as possible so that you can begin that new life. And if it's just you need you need somebody to pray for you, whatever you're going through. We're here for you for that. If you've got questions, we're not afraid of hard questions. We're not afraid of the tough conversations here. Come and talk to us. 
Now, it, another way to respond would be by giving back to the Lord. And every week we worship through our giving. And you can always give through the South Point app or on the website. You can give in the mail or in the give boxes at the back of the auditorium. Now, I will say if you usually give through PushPay, that option is ending this month. So I encourage you to go ahead and download the app, give that way, or to create an account online. Your generosity enabled one more person to be baptized into Christ last week. So yeah, we celebrate that. And I want to read to you a text that I just received recently from somebody who was baptized. This person said, I'm grateful to have Jesus in my heart and grateful to him for South Point. You all have been truly a huge blessing to me and I've never been happier. That's why we do what we do. Now, another way to respond is through sharing in communion. So as the music plays, you came in, you got a a little communion kip with, with bread and cup. And if you didn't get that, they're on the walls in the back. So every week, make sure you grab one before you come in because we do this every week to remind us of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. The cup represents his blood. The, the, uh, the bread represents his body. That's his sacrifice on the cross. And we remember that we owe him everything for what he's done for us. So if you're a believer, you're welcome to share also in this time of communion. Let's pray together. Father, we're turning to you right now. You are our so source of, of help, our so source of, of hope, our source of healing. We, we admit that we all need help in a lot of different ways. Some need relief and they need comfort and they need peace. We need help in applying these principles, Lord, because we're, we're struggling at home. We're struggling with relationships we need wisdom for making good decisions. We need guidance. We need strength, Lord, so that we don't give up. God, so, so often we're anxious and we want, we want the answers right now. But teach us to wait on you in your good time. God, most of all, I want to pray for those who need salvation because really they can't wait another moment because we don't know if we have another moment, Lord. So I pray that they'll give their lives over to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you, come down and talk or pray with somebody. As the music plays, go ahead and share in communion.